Thank you. It's a joy to be here and to be sharing in our series on sacred, and we're particularly looking at the church today. And we're going to take three images of the church from the Bible. And uh, the first is going to be the church as a spiritual house. The second is a radiant church. And the third is the church as God's temple. Now, the Bible is the base of authority for all our life and practice. It shapes our relationships. It impacts our values, our view, and the issues that society is constantly bringing up. The Bible is amazingly timeless in its relevance. That's why we take scripture and seek to apply it to whatever the subject is we're dealing with. And these three images of the church will help us to understand different aspects of how the church is sacred. So let's take the first of them. And we're reading from 1 Peter. This is Peter writing and uh, chapter 2, verse 5. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Father, we pray now that you will help us now by your spirit. Spirit of truth, guide us into truth. Give us a deeper understanding of what it means for us to be your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Is church sacred because it meets in a sacred building? Often maybe you visit a cathedral and it has a little sign that says quiet as you go in and you think, ooh, is this a sort of sacred place? Church is not sacred primarily because of a building. It's not about a physical house. What Peter is saying here is that you are a spiritual house. You are living stones built together into a spiritual house. Now, sometimes when you um, maybe see a, a, an old church um, built of stone, and often over the archway doorway, it'll have a date that usually says built in 1860 or whenever it was. But here, when Peter in this verse is speaking, he says, he doesn't say you have, he says, you are living stones being built into a spiritual house. So, in fact, God today here is building his church as we worship together as we fellowship together, as we care for one another, as we exercise the gifts of God's spirit and see those ministries, those Ephesians 4 ministries operating among us, what we're doing is we're building church and we're doing it together. We're being built together as living stones. There was an older lady who was at one of our earlier services and I was speaking about the living stones and as she was going out, she said to me, oh, Rob, she says, that was amazing this morning. You know, I've read that passage so many times, but I've never ever thought that I'm one of those living stones. You are. Every one of you here today, as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a living stone. But that living stone, by God's design, is meant to be built together into a spiritual house. I was with a dear friend yesterday, and we were talking together, and he was sharing a bit of a disappointment he'd had where he went to visit an old friend that they'd been in church for years together, and um, he hadn't seen him with lockdown and everything, and the friend explained how during lockdown he'd been able to tune in online to some amazing sermons, different people around the world. He said it was so interesting, and the friend said to him, so and how are you doing now with church? And he said, oh, I, I don't bother with church now. He said, I, you know, if I can listen to those sermons each week from different places, why, why would I want to go to church? Why? Because God has designed us to be living stones built together into a spiritual house. He's not divined as just to be random stones spread around, as it were. There's meant to be that sense of belonging. We're part of a family. We're not just amputated arms or legs. We're, we're, we're living together. And it's that sense of belonging that's so important. See, when you build with stones, it's different to bricklaying. If you see a bricklayer, it's amazing how they can build a wall next to no time. Because every, every brick is the same size, same shape, same weight. Up he goes. But with stones, it's much more challenging. 
all different sizes, all different shapes, all different weights. If you've ever seen somebody building a dry stone wall, there's a craft in it. As they take each stone, they look at it, and then they, they fit them together, and they shape them together. And it's part of that process. There's something wonderful in church life when you experience God as a master builder, shaping those stones together, every one of us. Just like that older lady said this morning, leaving church, I'd never realized I'm one of those living stones. You are. You're part of that spiritual house, and currently you're being built together as a spiritual house, those stones being shaped together. Not only is the Lord Jesus the master builder when he promises, I will build my church, as he builds those stones together, but he's also delegated to us in church leadership, one of the key things for us in church leadership, how do we help every stone to feel valued? What are different shapes? Some people are awkward shapes, some people are much bigger, and others more heavier weight, as it were, but how do we shape that together? Every stone matters. This is a stone-built building. Let me just take one stone. There's a, there's a kind of square stone in the middle of that wall over there, don't you? Now, I bet, I don't think any of you, when you came in this morning, thought, oh, there's that square stone in the middle of the floor wall there. But let me guarantee, if I knocked that out earlier this morning, right the way through, and it was daylight coming through there, you'd all come in and think, wow, there's a stone missing this morning. How do we cultivate a church culture of belonging where we'd miss one another? If someone's been missing for a few weeks, you know, it, it, a sense in which we miss each other. Now, if you only come to church once a month and you're missing three weeks, then no one's going to expect you necessarily. But when we're really committed to that sense of building together, that sense of belonging, our society today desperately needs community, a sense of belonging. You know, the other week I was, in fact, I was meeting with um, Toby and Lou's son, Sam, on White Ladies Road in the uh, uh, best place for coffee is W.C. Grace there, and you've got to do a great deal, you can refill as well. And uh, uh, Sam is doing some great work on social media. He's only 16 years of age, he's done some amazing work with social media, and I was so interested to hear about it. We sat, had coffee together, he was sharing about it. And afterwards, we popped up here to church, and uh, it was, um, by now it was about five o'clock, and I was afterwards going to catch the bus back with my free bus pass. And... Uh, it had been raining, it was all steamy, and I got on the bus, it was five o'clock, it was absolutely packed out. There was no seats on the ground floor, I get up onto the top floor, and even there there's some people standing. By now the bus has already started, it stops at the next stop on White Ladies Road, and two people get off with the front, front seat. And so I, there I am, into the front seat, left-hand side, front seat, left-hand side of the shop. And uh, I, I use my arm just to clear the steam from the window, just to be able to look out, and then I get my little, I have a little kind of sheet I use. I've told you before about using a little A4 sheet for daily prayer. I have a little sheet where I've got lots of people here I pray for every day, and the um, way I would remember is I have a little sheet, and so I'm sat there, and another older person, a gentleman, comes in and sits beside me, and, and I'm busy praying, but anyway, he cleans the window in front and begins to tell me why he wants to clean the window in front, and I'm thinking, oh, it's a bit of a distraction, I'm trying to pray here, but I suddenly think, wait a minute, not a distraction. It's an opportunity. So I said, well, tell me more. He said, well, he said, I never sit in the back of the bus. He said, I get claustrophobia. I always sit in the front of the bus. I try to get a place here. And, just, you know. and then he began to tell me his life story. He'd been an alcoholic for many years. In fact, been homeless for a period, and then in prison, etc. But now he was going straight and had got over his alcoholism, in a, uh, at least had been dry for quite a while. And he got a job. He was working, in fact, restoring furniture. In fact, he restored antiques. And he said, oh, how fulfilling it was. You know, we take a, a broken down old piece of furniture and you restore it and get it back to where it was originally meant to be. And he's telling me this story with such excitement. And he says to me, and what do you do? And that kind of wild moment, I said, oh, I'm in the restoration business too, I said, actually. He said, oh, really? What are you restoring? Well, I take broken lives where they've all messed up and, you know, it's, it's ruined as it were. But to see that broken life made whole 
and, and back to again a sense its original purpose to me is such a joy. He says, what sort of work do you do? I said, I'm in church work. He said, oh, really? He said, which church is that? Now, by the way, we're a bit further down White Ladies Road. And I said, oh, we just passed it down there. I said, it's Woodlands Church. I said, oh, I said, I went there once for a homeless meal, he said. I said, years ago? He said, but I haven't for years, he said. But he began to talk about how he missed that sense of belonging, being part of things. And anyway, we were on the number one bus. I said, so, you know, he said, I, I live out at Hembury now, he said, and in the mornings it's difficult to get up for church. And I, we got to, I said, do you know what? There's a little church up at Henry. In fact, we've just linked up with it. Called It's called the Branch, meeting at Emmanuel up at Henry. Oh, he said, I think I know that. I went for a Christmas meal there once. Anyway, but by the end of the, the conversation, he's introduced Emmanuel and he's hoping to be able to get there. And, and in a sense, but it's that sense of belonging, helping folk to be part of community. You see, we are living stones. We're built together into a spiritual house. And whenever we're seeking to worship together, to witness together, we're building church together. Now, the second of these illustrations from Scripture is of a radiant church. Here's our second reading. It's taken from Ephesians and chapter 5. And it's amazing because it's taking the picture this time of a bride and a bridegroom, a husband and a wife. What's that to do with church? Watch this. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by washing with water through the word. And to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Sacred, a sacred church, a radiant church. And the picture he's using is of, of a husband and wife, a bride and a bridegroom. And in our society today, I would say two areas that are often most maligned in our society is marriage. And church, both sacred and yet constantly under attack in our society, often minimalized and even a butt of jokes, it were. How do we respond to that? Are we kind of cringingly making a bit of excuse for the church struggling? Or is there a radiance that's so attractive that folk can't help but want to be drawn into it? Now, let's just take it first, because the Bible unfolds it in such a helpful way. If I take it because we may understand more about human relationships, therefore, in terms of marriage, how does this work? You see, normally, when a person gets married, that usually is the most radiant day in a bride's life. In fact, you often say, you get the wedding photographs, you think, oh, she was a radiant bride. Had her hair all done like she'd never had it done before. Had a special dress that she'd had fitted and everything else. She was absolutely radiant. The challenge is with our human relationship, sadly, in our society, by the time she comes to the end of her life, she's rather ragged, worn out, and often, you know, marriages are broken and there's sadness and struggle. Is that how it's meant to be? Because what the scripture is saying here is, not at the beginning, but at the end, the purpose is to see a church that we see ever increasingly more radiant, so ultimately we present that church, that bride, as a radiant bride. What's the key to that in life? And these are real keys. They're part of that divine economy. If you catch it, it can make such a huge difference to your life. When you take the authority of scripture in the revelation and releasing of the power of the Holy Spirit, together it can change life, shapes your relationships. See, here is the key. Even in our understanding of Christian marriage, sometimes we have all sorts of different challenges in our society about, you know, well, human rights and whose right is, who's in charge, who's interested. We even sometimes change our words a little bit, don't we, with our marriage suicide. But what does it mean? I mean, submit? Is there such a thing as godly submission that isn't just taking advantage, treating someone as a doormat and making them a kind of shadow of everything else? There is. 
There is this sense of where the love of God is of such a nature that it's a self-giving love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. It's that self-giving love. When you know in a marriage where it is for both of you, you just want to give yourselves to one another. It's not what you're going to get, it's what you're going to give. And it makes such a huge difference. The way we use our language even today in our society, we use the word love, I would guarantee for most of us here this week, we will use the word love much more in a getting way than a giving way. We'd have said sometimes, you know, do you want, do you want fresh cream on your, your, your donuts? Yeah, 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 I love fresh cream, you know. Or, 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 or we love nice clothes, or we love a nice car, we love this, we love that. But all the way we use love is about consumerism. It's about what I can get. Oh, I love that. I, I want that. I, what is this kind of love that's not about getting, but about giving? That God so loved the world that he gave. His one and only Son, whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. There's something so releasing, so freeing, so enabling. When there's a love that is all about self-giving, it's not about self-getting, what I'm going to get out of this relationship, who's in charge, who's, whose views, who's, who, who, whose opinion goes, what is it? It's not about fighting for my rights, it's about giving. It's want the best for my partner. I want to see her or him shine, be radiant. I can genuinely say, Pam and I, Pam's not here this morning, she was here at the eight o'clock, so I embarrassed her then, but uh, last month we were married 55 years, as our anniversary last, last month, and um, yes, yeah, so. I, can, I can genuinely, genuinely, genuinely say this, that Pam is more radiant today than she was on her wedding day. She radiates Jesus in such a significant way there's a radiant, there's a naturalness, a supernaturalness. You know, the presence of God. We sang that lovely worship song about, you know, seeking God's presence. That's what we want most of all. We're hungry for God's presence. You know, Moses, when he went up to the mountain and experienced the presence of God as God gave him the Ten Commandments, it wasn't he came down and washed his face and put some special face cream on that made your face shine. He didn't even conscious of it. He just shone. There was a radiance that came out of being in the presence of God. And that radiance was somehow so attractive in a sense that there was a, an awareness of the presence of God. Now, I have to say this for my Pam. Not only has she got that radiance of the presence of Jesus, she has a real hunger. I live with her every day, so I see her. But there's that real appetite to live in the presence of God, to sense the presence of God. But not only just spiritually... I can remember Pam on our wedding day. We've still, we still got photos of it. And she looked absolutely radiant in a red dress and everything else. But you know, my wife Pam, I still look upon her today as the most radiant, elegant, best charity shop dressed person in the West. I mean, there's a sense in which, you know, there's a, there's a beauty around that that somehow radiates life of Jesus. My commitment for churches and why it's sacred for me is that it's not just about trying to lecture our world about marriage and the sanctity of marriage. Do you know how we best champion marriage? Is have radiant marriages. Sometimes something about it, people say, oh, I'd love my marriage to be like that. I want to be like that. For church, it's the same. It's not as somehow excusing church as a struggling cause. It's seeing it as a radiant church. We had a lovely experience just the, the last newcomers, I think it was, when uh, we had a, a, a number of people there. We have a newcomers this afternoon. If you're new to church, we've been here for 20 years, but never have been to a newcomers, and want to just sense, oh, I'd love just to hear that vision again to inspire me. Then 
4.30 today. There's even, you can love cream, there's cream tea, part of it, there we are. So, but one of the things that newcomers, there was one lovely young lady there, and she said, you know, um, some months ago, I was walking down uh, the road here, Woodlands Road, she said, I passed this church, she said, in the gla glass front, and I could see people in it, and the way they were talking and sharing, I heard them worship, she said, oh, I felt really drawn. I, I really felt as if I wanted to go in, you know, there was a kind of radiance that came out of it, but she said, I was too embarrassed to be able to do that. So, but I looked up, he said, there was a notice with a website on it, so I, I clicked on the website, and it advertised an alpha course where people were seeking meaning. She said, I came to the alpha, and I became a Christian. Said, and the thing I want to do now is be part of that. I want to belong. I want to be one of those living stones that's being built together. How do we sense church as radiant? That's what he said. This is God's purpose for the church. And he builds together those living stones that they might be a radiant church. Something infectious. Something contagious. Something so attractive that people want. The Bible speaks about taking over cocktails. I want to go with you. I want to taste that new wine. Or is it? to be building a radiant church. Finally, the third of these pictures, and each of them have different significant insights into how church is sacred. And this one particularly, we're thinking here in this last reading from Corinthians of the church as the God's temple. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. God's temple is sacred, the church. And you are that temple. Wow. Now, again, when you think of temples or Eastern religion or different parts, you often think of those buildings where people take their shoes off, they go in because it's a sacred place. No, no. You are the sacred place. You are the temple of God. The Holy Spirit lives in us. I remember many years ago, there was a fellow who just become a Christian. He lived a very checkered background. His name was Sid. He won't mind me telling me a story. But, um, and he had lots of challenges in his life. And uh, it's a Sunday morning. He's coming to church. It's all new to him. And he's still struggling with lots of habits in his life. But one of them was he was a chain smoker. And now he's going down the road in front of me. He didn't know I'm there. I'm a fair way behind him. But boy, is he dragging away, smoking on what used to be called cigarettes, you know, not the, not the more modern thing, but anyway. And he's dragging away on his cigarettes there, and he gets to the door of the church, and he takes a long drag on his cigarette, blows it all out, and then he stubs the cigarette on the ground. As he stubs it on the ground, he looks behind, and I'm following by. Oh, he says, Rob, almost at a moment of embarrassment. And I, I said, I said, I said, why do you stub your cigarette out? Rob, he says, I'm going to church. He said, I wouldn't smoke in there. Why wouldn't you smoke in there? This is, this is the house of God. He said, I wouldn't smoke in I said, that's not the house of God. I said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He looked at me as like as if it was revelation, you know. But it's true, you see. The sacred is not the building. It's the people, the spiritual house. Living stones being built together. Radiating the life of Jesus. And being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now that also gives us a further clue to why the church is sacred because he is the Holy Spirit. Of all the adjectives that are used, more than any, it is. He's the Holy Spirit. Wow. Now, if he's the Holy Spirit and he's living in us, that brings a challenge to what living a holy life means. Now, what does it mean then for us to be living in a pathway of holiness? 
all of us have failed and made mistakes, and yet what does it mean to come constantly to God, to keep those short accounts where we're willing to confess our sins, to be faithful and just, to forgive us our sins, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to make us sacred, and then to fill us afresh with the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself even gives that, those amazing words in, in John's Gospel 7, where he says, you know, it's the end of the great feast where they've been through so much religious practice and so much tradition, and they're full up to here with it. And Jesus says, but if you're still thirsty for reality, for that real inner spiritual quickening, then come to me. Here's the source of life. Jesus is that source of life. He is the fountainhead. Oh, my springs of joy are in you. He says, when you come to me, he says, and you believe and you drink, out of your innermost being will flow rivers of living water. God longs for us as the church to be that temple of the Holy Spirit, filled with his spirit, overflowing. The most effective worship is the overflow of our devotion to Jesus. The most effective witness is the overflow of knowing and loving him. It's an overflow of fullness. That's why again today, constantly, when we have these times like this, we give an opportunity for ministry. There'll be some of you here who are struggling. You know, you know the law, but you sometimes lost something of that fullness, that freshness. There's a little overflow. You're trying still to give, but you give out of the dregs rather than the overflow. And you just need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit. It's lovely to pray with some folks more. I even got my little cruise of oil. I think I've got a little drop in it. The oil was often a symbol of the Holy Spirit. Often as I pray just to anoint and sense that fresh touch of God's Spirit. I've seen lives dramatically changed. Not because of anything I've said or done, but because of the Holy Spirit filling afresh finding his home in us as the temple of the Holy Spirit. In a moment, as we'll open up just a time of worship as we pray, but also a chance for ministry. If this morning, as a living stone being built together into that spiritual house, you long to radiate that life of Jesus in the fullness of the Holy Spirit, then there's an opportunity for you to come for prayer. Just a sense again, say, come, come, Holy Spirit. Let me pray now. Let's stand together as I pray and... If you can stand, then stand. And just even now, just be open to receive. Just cup your hands that we're ready to receive. And, you know, God is so much more willing to give than we're ready to receive. Come. Come, Holy Spirit. Come now, Lord. Rest upon us. Quicken deep within us, Lord, those springs of living water welling up within. Lord, fill your temple afresh. Make us, Lord, that spiritual house that you're building together as living stones, radiating that life of Jesus. Come now. We want to sense, Lord, your church here this morning as sacred, Lord, filled with your Holy Spirit. Minister among us now, Lord, even as we worship together. Help us, Lord, to be willing just to be open even for others to pray with us and to minister, anoint us, Lord, that release of your spirit among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.